This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Ooh. We had a lovely day today. Well, um, we've been looking this week at Faith Foundations. Faith Foundations 1. We actually have two classes on Faith Foundations. There's another one in level two, but this is the first one. And um, such an awesome time we've had with Pastor Charles. Great, great teaching of God's word. Amen. Praise God. So um, we'll just pick up where he left off and then we'll move ahead. Now, this is a taster. So there are perhaps people who are here today who was, weren't here yesterday or the day before. And then we're um, being streamed live. So there are people who are also watching who probably didn't watch the previous um, days. So I'll try to give a brief recap. Faith foundation, subject of faith, is an all-important subject. Why do we study it? Why do we give it the attention we do? First, we understand that a person can't be born again without faith. It takes faith to get saved. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So it's by faith we're born again. That's the first reason. If you can't get saved without something, well, you, wet, you better want to find out what that thing is. Amen. I want to get a good grip of it. Secondly, we can't live the Christian life without faith. We can't live the Christian life without faith. The Christian life is a life of faith. The Bible says in Habakkuk 2.4 that the just shall live by his faith. Same thing is repeated in Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11. Hebrews 10, 38, the just shall live by faith. Who's the just? The believer. The one who's been declared righteous, who's been made righteous. So that's the lifestyle of the Christian. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Some translations render that a bit differently. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we live the Christian life by faith, the faith of the Son of God. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. So you can't live the Christian life without faith. Second reason why faith is such an all-important subject. Number three, without faith, Hebrews eleven six 6 says it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So it takes faith to please God. We can't please God without faith. Amen. So it's a must. It's a requirement. It says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So it takes faith to please God. Well, number four reason why faith is so important, you can't resist the devil without it. We can't resist the devil without faith. Now we know we have a willy foe. He's defeated. Jesus brought him to naught. But he always sticks up his ugly head at every turn of the road to try to call us stupid. But thank God we can rise up in faith and call God blessed. He'll bring tests. He'll bring trials. He'll bring challenges. But blessed be God, we can whip him every single time. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He says, whom resist steadfast in the faith, 
knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Well, the American Standard Version says, whom resist steadfast in your faith. So our faith has something to do with resisting the devil. You know, sometimes the devil comes at you, maybe with some symptoms of sickness, or maybe a temptation to sin, or maybe some adverse circumstance. And then you speak the word, you say, in the name of Jesus, be gone. And then the guy acts like he's got some hearing problems. <laughs> Ever happened to you? What do you do? You just stand your ground. I gave the command of faith. I spoke the word. Where the word of a king is, is power. Amen. Praise God. So you just stand your ground on what you said. So it takes faith to resist the devil. Amen. Well, why is faith so important? Number five, it's by faith that we receive answers to our prayers. It's by faith that we receive answers to our prayers. Mark eleven twenty four, wonderful verse of scripture. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Amen. So it's by faith we receive answers to our prayers. Now, not, not every prayer is a prayer of faith. There are different kinds of prayer, at least nine different kinds. All, and all the different kinds of prayer, they go by different rules. But one kind is a, the prayer of petition, which is the same as a prayer of faith. Amen. Not every prayer is a prayer of faith, but every prayer should be prayed in faith. Now, Matthew 21, 22 says, And all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believe in ye shall receive. So believing has something to do with us getting our prayers answered. James 5.15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, it shall be forgiven him. So you see, faith has something to do with getting our prayers answered. Same thought is in James 1, 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that gives liberally to all men and upbraids not and doesn't find fault. See, when you ask God for stuff, he doesn't say, well, Remember yesterday, I told you to do this, you didn't do it. Remember last week, you know, you messed up hair. Uh, so give me five reasons why I, I, I should think about possibly answering you. No, God doesn't find fault. He doesn't upbraid. And he's a liberal. He's a liberal giver. Not a stingy one. Amen. But you see, faith is involved in receiving from him. Let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. It says, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not such a man think. He shouldn't even think it that will receive anything of the Lord, whether it's wisdom or any other thing. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So you see, faith has something to do with getting our prayers answered. That's number five. Well, number six is by faith that we appropriate the blessings of God. It's by faith that we appropriate the blessings of God. Every single thing that God made available for us in Christ Jesus is a part, part of, and, uh, and it's a part and parcel of his grace. It's available in that grace. Amen. Every single thing he did in redemption belongs to us already. You see, grace is the sum total of all that God did for us in Christ. So it's already available. It's a part of his grace. It's available in his grace and through his grace. But how do we access that grace? Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, therefore, being justified or being made righteous by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Amen. So our faith is our access into God's grace. Our faith is our access into God's grace. Everything God provided for us, it already is ours. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. He's not going to, he already has. Blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're already blessed. 
However, how do we appropriate those blessings? You know, something can be yours legally, and you don't experience it. Isn't that true? And there are folks that are experiencing stuff that isn't there, theirs legally. Thieves. They're experiencing it. They stole it. Vitally, is it in their possession? It is. But is it theirs legally? It's not. But you see, there are things that are ours legally because of the finished work of redemption. And the way we partake of them, the way we appropriate them, the way we take them, like the word receive in Mark eleven twenty four is the word lambano. Lambano means to take with force, to seize with a grip that cannot be shaken loose. Amen. So it's by faith that we appropriate everything God has provided for us, all of his blessings. If you check the individual testimonies of healing that we have in the four gospels, really there's only one gospel, it was told by four different people. But if you check what we call the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you discover that there were 19 individual cases of healing, 19, under the ministry of Jesus. Now, out of the 19, if you check it out, you discover that 12 of them, talking about the individual cases, 12 of those 19 individual cases, Jesus said it was the faith of the sick man that made him whole. Jesus said that. Amen. That's Jesus who had the Holy Ghost without measure. That's Jesus who had, well, he didn't have all nine. He had seven out of the nine manifestations of the Holy Ghost walking through him. He didn't have tongues and the interpretation of tongues. That's why we're in a new covenant established on better promises. One of the reasons. Amen. So you see, he had those things operating through him. Even so, he still primarily ministered to the sick according to their faith. Jesus never told anybody, according to my faith, be it unto you. He never told anybody, according to my power, be it unto you. Yes, there are times the Holy Ghost is a manifestation. Gifts of the Spirit are in operation. And that's great. That's awesome. But you don't want to wait for a manifestation of the Holy Ghost to receive your healing. You just might not receive it. Because those things are like this. They work as the Spirit of God wheels. No one can press a button, pull a lever, and produce a manifestation of the Spirit. Anyone who claims he can is a false prophet. He's just a bald-faced liar. That's all he is. Nobody can. Is as the Spirit of God wheels. But you see, there's something that works as we will. And that's faith in God's word. Said, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Matthew 15, 21 to 28, Syrophoenician woman. The Bible says, then Jesus departed thence, went to the coast of Tan Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. Besought him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed to the devil. But he answered her, Not a word. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cried after us. He said, I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, O Lord, help me. He said, It's not meat. It's not proper to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. She said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs do eat of the crumbs which draw from the master's table. Jesus answered and saith unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole that very hour. You see, it was to her according to what she willed. Amen. Well, gifts of the Spirit are as the Spirit of God wills. But there's something that works as we will. Faith in God's Word. It'll work anytime. It'll work for anybody. It'll work anywhere. Amen. Because the Word of God is a constant that never fails. Are we open to the move of the Spirit? My God, we sure are. Amen. We're strong about flowing with the Spirit. But the thing is this, we learn to put the word first. Because the word of God will always work. Gifts of the Spirit may not always be manifestation, but the word of God will always work. Then you see, those things are supernatural advertisement. And they work more so for the unbeliever. 
just as a sign to get his attention or for baby Christians. Once you have had time and opportunity to grow, God expects more from you. God expects us to start using our own faith and to have our prayer life. Now, if you're a pastor, don't build your church around you. Don't build your church around your anointing. Don't build your ministry around your anointing. You're looking for trouble doing that. Why? Because all flesh is grass. And the glory of man as the flower thereof. The grass withereth, the flower falleth away. But the word of our God shall stand forever. Isaiah 47 and 8. So it's God's word that will stand the test of time. Now there was this revival in America from 1947 through to 58. Called it the healing revival. Many healing evangelists, you know, just were all over the place. Outstanding miracles were being wrought. They had um, Thanksgiving, November of 1954. They had their convention. Kenneth Hagin stood up and said, well, uh, when all you folks are gone and long forgotten, I'll still be out there preaching. Well, it happened. How come that to happen? Because he said, you are building your ministries on signs and wonders. I'm building mine on the word. Am I for signs and wonders? Yes. But I let that be secondary. You know, God didn't say go into all the world and walk miracles. God didn't say go into all the world and walk spiritual gifts. No. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. We should put the word first. Because God's word is what will build people's faith. And that's the primary way we receive from God. By our own faith. That's number six, isn't it? We appropriate God's blessings by faith. Whether it's healing, whether it's the baptism in the Holy Ghost, whether it's prosperity, our needs being met, whatever it is we might need, spiritual, physical, or material. It's by faith that we appropriate the blessings of God. Well, number seven, the Bible says in Romans 14, 23, that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So if you're not walking in faith, what are you walking in? Sin. I mean, that's, 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 that's pretty blunt. Whatever is not of faith is sin. And God sure doesn't want us living in sin. So he wants us walking in faith. Amen. Number eight, faith is one of the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. One of the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. We read in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Where the Bible says, therefore, leaving the elementary principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Don't let that word throw you. It's maturity. It says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, you notice six fundamental things are mentioned there. Now, let me ask you a question. If I told you that I didn't believe in repentance from dead works, what would you say about me? You say, well, that preacher isn't sound. And you'd be correct to say so. You know, if I were to say, now, nah, I do believe in repentance from dead works. By the way, I'm just trying to illustrate something. If a fellow were to say, well, he doesn't believe in resurrection of the dead. He doesn't believe in eternal judgment. Uh, you may just as well conclude the fellow is not a sound preacher. Isn't it? But you see, the same list that mentions repentance from dead works, that mentions resurrection of the dead, that mentions eternal judgment and a few other things, also mentions faith toward God. So you see, it's fundamental. It's foundational. It's basic. It's extremely important. Praise God. Amen. Well, number nine, ninth reason why we're studying this subject, giving it such thought, giving it such attention. Number nine reason is this. For God's word to profit you and for it to work effectively in your life, you have to mix it with faith. Whether it's God's word about holiness 
or it's God's word about fasting, or it's God's word about prayer, or it's God's word about the rapture, or it's God's word about the Antichrist, whatever aspect of God's word, for that word to profit us, we must mix it with faith. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2, the Bible says, for unto them was the gospel preached as well as unto us. But the word that was preached did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Praise God. They didn't mix it with faith. So the word didn't profit them. That's why two people can sit under the same pastor, attend the same church, be in every church service, hear the same message, and they turn out differently. One person is blessed, the other is not nearly as blessed. Why? One of the reasons, not all, but one major thing is, you see, God's word will profit us to the degree that we mix faith with it. Amen. First Thessalonians 2.13 underscores the same point. It says, the word of God, which works effectually in them that believe. So God's word works effectively in those who believe it. So it's believing God's word that causes it to work in our lives, that causes it to produce results for us. Praise God. Well, that's reason number nine. Number ten, the Bible says it's by faith that we stand. It's by faith that we stand. Amen. How many people want to fall? You know, fall into sickness, fall into sin, fall into depression. Fall, the word fall isn't a good word. Amen. Well, except people want to say fall in love. <laughs> you know, but people these days say, well, don't fall in love, walk into it. Amen. Praise God. So you see, it's by faith that we stand. We see that in 2 Corinthians 1.24. It says, not that we have dominion over your faith. It says, we are helpers of your joy. For by faith ye stand. So it's by faith that we stand. Romans 11.20 says the same thing. It's by faith that we stand. It's by faith that we stand. Well, number 11. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.5 that we are kept by the power of God through faith. We are kept we're preserved, preserved from evil, preserved from sickness, preserved from the calamities of this world, pre preserved from Boko Haram, preserved from recession, preserved from whatever. Amen. We are kept by the power of God through faith. Amen. So it's by faith that we're kept. It's by faith that we're kept. Psalm 91, for instance, says that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I don't mind telling you if you're born again, you're there. The Bible says you're dead. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Amen. That's the secret place of the Most High. You can't get more in Him than that. That's as in Him as it gets. Amen. We are complete in Him, which is the head of all principalities and powers. You say, well, well if every, how come, you know, not every Christian is experiencing such protection. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2 gives us a clue. It says, I will say... Of the Lord. He's my refuge and my fortress. So you see, what you say has a lot to do with it. What you believe has a lot to do with it. You know, there are folks that say, well, anybody can die at any time. If that's what they believe, well, they're involved in an accident. Their angels will just fold their arms and say, you see, he has paralyzed me with his words. I can't help him. I can't help him. You know, I can't help him. He said it. It's law. You see, God is touched by the feeling of our infirmities, but he's not moved by them. He's moved by his word. He's moved by his word. He will not violate his word. He has magnified his word above his name. You know, sometimes people talk about God being sovereign. And yes, he's a sovereign God. He can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it, provided 
he does not violate his word. God in his sovereignty won't violate his word. You know, some people say, well, you see, when your time just comes, you know, it's a matter of your time hasn't yet come. See, stop all that time, your time, your not time coming. Stop that trash. The truth is our time came 2,000 years ago. Amen. When the Bible says the set time to favor Zion has come. When did it come? 2,000 years ago. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, when it comes to certain things like God's plans and purposes for our lives, there's a timing to it. You know, there, there are faces to it. That's when it comes to his plans and his purposes. But don't tell me you don't have a baby yet because it's not yet God's time. That God's time is best. Shut up. That's not true. Don't tell me, well, I'm not healed yet. I'm waiting for God's time to heal me. Listen, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Amen. The truth is that you're not waiting on God's time. God is waiting on you. God is waiting on you. When are you going to have it? When you take it. You know, sometimes you're crying, oh, God, why now? Why now? Why now? And the Lord, too, is saying, oh, daughter, why now? Why now? Why now? Amen. It's our move. It's like a game of chess or draft or scrabble. Your opponent has made a move. Then it's yours. It's your move that's next. Listen, it's our move. God made his move 2,000 years ago at Calvary. It's our move now. It's our time now to find out what his word says about us and to act upon it. Praise God. Amen. So we are kept by the power of God through faith. Well, number 12 reason why we give this subject such study and such uh, uh, devotion to find out about it and learn it is that the only fight the Christian is actually told to fight is the fight of faith. And incidentally, it's called a good fight. Why is it a good fight? Because you know the end from the beginning. And what is the end? It's just like you're watching a film and you're wondering, how is this going to end? How is this going to end? Then you say, well, let me just fast forward to the end and see whether this, my good actor, whether he died or not. So you go to the end of the book too and find out how did it end? Revelations 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives even unto the death. So you see, we know the end from the beginning and what's the end? We win. So the only fight we're to fight is the good fight of faith. You know, many Christians are in the wrong fight. And it's sad. Some people's idea of Christianity is they wake up in the morning and what they think about is, oh God, another day has come. How won't I sin today? I will do my best not to sin today. So all their conscious moments, they are trying to fight sin. Like something Kenneth Copeland said. He said, if the devil can't get you living in sin, but he can get you thinking about sin all the time, either way, you are not much good to God's kingdom. You are still sin conscious. You know, so we are not to fight sin. That's a wrong orientation. It's like, now, don't get me wrong. Am I saying we are to live in sin? I'm not saying that either. But you see, Jesus put sin away by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus defeated sin for us. So we are not to fight sin. We get that. We are not to fight sin. Should we stand against sin? We should. And we'll find out how in a bit. So the fight is not a, a, a fight against sin. Neither is it a fight against demons. You know? And you're just trying to fight the devil. You wake up in the morning, you wear your camel. Say, yes, I'm going to the high places. I'm going to cast out the spirit of the prince of the Niger. You know, the spirit of, the spirit of, 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 of Garki. That is the spirit of Garki, the prince of Garki. My friend, you're wasting precious time. The devil has you where he wants you. 
Colossians 2.15 says, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Amen. Jesus defeated the devil. But you say, well, doesn't the word of God say in Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Yes, it does. But that doesn't mean, you know, when a, a wrestling context with the devil or a, battling, a, a boxing bout, and then you give the devil a left shot, gives you a right, and then he gets you by the ropes, and then, my God, an uppercut, and then a left jab, and then a right jab, and then a left jab. Oh, and God, who's the referee? Who can see that you're about to be taken out? Says he's not going to blow the whistle. Or he says, well, I better blow the whistle now so that this can end. And then they paint a picture like God is one cheat. Who will just cheat for his children. Listen, Jesus defeated the devil in his own domain. Amen. He brought him to naught. Our redemption is based on perfectly legal grounds. It's not Satan where to fight. Look, in the same Ephesians that talks about us having those forces arrayed against us, Paul said that after he had finished saying we are seated together with Jesus at the right hand of the Father, far above those same principalities and powers and might and dominion. Amen. It's not, your, it's not the witch that's, that, that's your problem. That's what he's saying there. You know, there's some people, they just want that witch to die. You know, suffer not the witch to live. Suffer not the witch to live. I've had people tell me that all the time. And when they get through saying that, I say, well, we ought to stone you too right now. Because, you know, witchcraft is manipulation. Ever manipulated someone before? Sure. Amen. So we ought to stone you right now. In fact, it's not only the witch that's not to be killed. If a lot of other people too are to be killed. And I just find the one that suits you. Now I get the rope on your neck. Or I get the stones in my hand in a hurry. Look, we're in a new covenant established on better promises. Amen. We learn from the old, but we live in the new. We live in the new. And thank God. You see, in the old covenant, it was an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You know, David could pray, God, contend with those who contend against me. Let them drink their own blood, eat their own flesh. And that was okay. Remember, the guy wasn't born again. His spirit was unregenerate. God in the law told them, don't seek the good of, of uh, the Amalekites. Don't seek their good. God told them. God told them in the law. He said, these people until the third generation, don't let them come into my, uh, into my congregation. There are some people who said till their 10th generation. So there were things like that in the law. But blessed be God, we're in a new covenant now. Established upon better promises. And that's why Jesus said, you have heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. He said, but I say unto you, Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Amen. In the new covenant, we bless, we don't curse. The truth is this, wanting your enemy to die is because you're afraid. That's the truth. That's the truth. You're scared that maybe one day you could get the upper hand. So let me get rid of him once and for all. The truth is this. The real enemy is the devil. That other fellow is perhaps taken captive by the devil. Maybe he consented to it or maybe he's just ignorant. But either which way, our hearts should go out to them in love. Not we want to kill them so that because they are opposing us. You too once opposed somebody. What if they killed you then? Amen. So it's not sin where the fight. It's not Satan where the fight. It's the fight of faith where the fight. Well, number 13. The family of God is called the household of faith. That's what God's family is called. Galatians 6.10, it says as you, therefore have opportunity. Do good to all men, especially they of the household of faith. 
So God's family is called the family of faith. Amen. We're fake children of the faith God. Well, 14 reasons. Why faith, we're emphasizing it so strong, is part of our spiritual armor. Faith is part of our spiritual armor. Reason number 14. It's part of our spiritual armor. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 talks about the breastplate of faith and love. Ephesians 6.16, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So you see, it's part of our armor. Part of the armor we are to put on so that we can stand against all the wilds of the enemy. 1 Thessalonians 5.8, Ephesians 6.16. Faith is part of our spiritual armor. 1 Thessalonians 5.8, Ephesians 6.16. Well, that's number 14. Number 13, the family of God is called the household of faith. Number 12, he said, fight the good fight of faith. Number 11, we're kept by the power of God through faith. Number 10, is by faith that we stand. Number 9, for God's word to profit us and walk effectively in our lives, we must mix it with faith. Number 8, faith is one of the fundamental principles, praise God, of the doctrine of Christ. So going back, we're in number 14. We're in number 14. So we said that faith is part of our spiritual armor. It's part of our spiritual armor. So we ought to put it on. It's part of what we need to put on so we can stand against the enemy. So we can win in every confrontation with the devil. Yes, the devil has been defeated. But listen, he has a right to be here on this earth until Adam's lease runs out. So he's going to be here. And part of what he's going to do is that he's going to keep walking about looking for whom he may devour. Now, he's not a lion, but he walks about like a roaring lion. Who's the lion? Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. But you see, the devil's going to walk around. However, with our armor in place, we can whip him every single time. We can stand against him every single time and fulfill the plan and the purpose of God on the earth as well as in our lives. Well, number 15, our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5. The Bible says, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So our faith is the victory. Our faith is the victory. Amen. Verse 5 says, who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus Christ is born of God. Now, what's the world? When we see world there, what's the world? 1 John 2, from 15 to 17, the Bible says, Love not the world, and are the things that are in the world. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But they that do the will of God shall abide forever. So we could put it like this. The victory that overcomes the lust of the flesh is our faith. The victory that overcomes the pride of life is our faith. The victory that overcomes the lust of the world is our faith. How are you going to walk in victory over the flesh? Listen, it's going to be by faith. How are you going to live right? Take it from me, it's by faith. If you're trying to do it any other way, it just might not work. And even if it did work, it's not going to please God. Amen. The victory that will whip the flesh any day is faith in God's word. It's faith in God's word. You know, the devil, his wiles, his trials, our faith is the victory. Praise God. 1 John 4, 4. The Bible says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. See, we're not trying to overcome the devil. 
We've overcome him already. When? 2,000 years ago. Through the finished work of redemption. says, we have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the greater one is in us. How do we put him to work? By faith. How do we turn him loose? By faith. Amen. So our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Well, number 16. Paul told Timothy, a young minister, to follow faith and to be an example of a believer in faith. Paul told Timothy, a young minister, to follow faith and to be an example of a believer in faith. You see that in 1 Timothy 4.12. said, let no man despise thy youth. Be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in faith, in spirit, in purity. Amen. So you see, it's to be an example of a believer in faith. In 1 Timothy 6.11, 2 Timothy 2.22, you see, he told him, follow after faith. Follow after faith. So Paul told Timothy, a young minister, to follow after faith and to be an example of a believer in faith. So faith must be pretty important, don't you think so? Well, number 17. We operate in the gifts and endowments God has placed on our lives to the degree of our faith. We operate in the gifts and endowments God has placed on our lives to the degree of our faith. Romans 12, 68, you see there, the Bible says he that prophesies should do it according to the proportion of faith. So, speaking by inspired utterance, we're to do it according to the proportion of our faith. Remember in Matthew 10, 1, Jesus gave his disciples power against all unclean spirits to cast them out, right? Then in Matthew 17, you know, you read, if you read from verse 14 through to 20, read even 21, read about how... Um, Jesus went with Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration. So, the other guys, the remaining nine folks, they were there. There was this man who came with his son, you know, to the disciples, for the disciples to cast out the devil that was harassing the boy. And then they couldn't. They just couldn't do it. Later, they asked Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? Jesus said it was their unbelief. Amen. Jesus said it was their unbelief. See, September 2nd, 1950. In Rockwall, Texas. Lord Jesus appeared to Brother Higgins, gave him a special anointing to minister to the sick. Well, barely a month after that. Now, when the Lord gave him that anointing, he told him something. As of that time, the sending of spirits wasn't working in his life. It started working in 52, December. But before then, this is what the Lord told him. When you lay hands on the sick, put one hand in front, one hand behind. Now, if it was a lady, he got his wife to put her hand in. He put his hand on his wife's hands. Now, the Lord told him, if there's a demon responsible for the sickness, which is the case sometimes, not all the time, the fire in your hands, that anointing, you feel it jump from hand to hand. Anytime that happens, call the demons out in my name. They will go. Jesus gave him that instruction. Well, it was in Broken Bow in Oklahoma, just barely a month after. There was this man who had TB of the spine. His, his spine was stiff as a board. He couldn't bend. Well, Brother Hagin put one hand in front of him, one hand behind. He felt that fire jump, so he knew there was a demon response for the condition. Does that mean the man was possessed? No, he wasn't possessed. You know, a Christian cannot be possessed. Yeah. A Christian can be oppressed by demons, even obsessed. But a demon cannot be in a Christian spirit. It's impossible. Well, it was a case of demons oppressing the man's body. Put his hand in front, one behind. He felt the fire jump, so he knew there was a demon responsible. So he said, in the name of Jesus, come out of him. That is, out of his body. Then he told the man, bend down and see if you can touch your toes. The man couldn't. He wasn't healed. 
He did it again. Same thing. He couldn't bend. Did it a third time. The man couldn't bend. Well, he told the man to go sit down. Just as the man was going to sit down, Jesus appeared to him and stood right there. It was an open vision. He was the only one who saw him though. Then Jesus told him, he said, I told you to call the demons out in my name and they will go. Then he started along to Renchi. Yes, I know now. It's barely a month ago. You told me I should put one hand in front, one hand behind. If I feel the fire jump, he rehearsed everything. That's what I did. Then I told the demon to come up, but he didn't come out. The man couldn't. <laughs> Jesus pointed at him again. He said, I told you to call the demons out in my name and they will go. Then he said, Lord, I did just that, but he didn't go. Oh my God. About the third time or fourth time around, he said, Jesus' eyes blazed fire. Listen to me. Unbelief displeases the Lord. That's the truth. He said he knew what Jesus must have looked like when he chased those money changers out of the temple. He said his eyes blazed fire. He said, I told you to call the demons out in my name and they will go. And Jesus disappeared. Was kind of shot with him. Couldn't put up with that. Stop that crap. Stop it. Put it. Get, get rid of that. Well, he called the man back up. Then he saw it. Put one hand in front, one hand behind. He felt the fire jump. He said, in the name of Jesus, I told you to come out. And now, bend down and touch your toes because you're healed. You see, what had defeated him? Did he have an endowment from God? He did. Did he have a miraculous faculty? He did. But you see, he let doubt rob him. He said, bend down and see if you can touch your toes. See, if is the badge of doubt. You see that? So sometimes you think, well, if you have the power, you'll get, you get results. See, the whole Pentecostal movement has felt like, you see, it's the power. All we need is the power. If we have the power, if we have the power, listen, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got the power. But the power doesn't work by itself. It's faith that gives action to the power of God. Acts 6, 8, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great miracles and signs among the people. So you see, we function in the gifts and endowments God has placed in our lives to the proportion of our faith. That means that whatever endowment you have of God, the more you learn to believe God, the more the results you will get with it. Amen. Well, number 18, the Bible says, all things are possible to him that believeth. Now, we know Matthew 19, 26, it says, with God, all things are possible. Mark 10, 27, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. So we know with God, all things are possible. Nobody doubts that. But the same Bible also says in Mark 9, 23, that if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. You see, faith takes you into the realm of God. If you walk in faith, you walk in the realm of the omnipotent one. Now, you are not the omnipotent one, definitely. He is. But when we believe him, he will show up and show up big. Amen. So all things are possible to him that believeth. See, that word impossible, you don't tell me there's something I can't do. I'll tell you, hide, watch, and hide. Because I'm going to do it. I love a challenge. I love it. I just love it. I just love it. I just love it. You don't dare me. Now, of course, listen. If you dare me to do something wrong, I'll tell you you're right. I won't do it. <laughs> you understand? So I'm not talking something out of balance with God's word. I'm talking in the light of God's word. You see, all things are possible to the believing one. And listen, you are a believing one because you're born again. Amen. You've got faith. You've got the God kind of faith. You're a believer. You're not a doubter. So all things are possible to you. Praise God. Well, 19. Christianity. 
Christianity, the New Testament, is actually called faith. Christianity, the New Covenant, is called faith. If you read in Galatians 3, 24 and 25, the Bible says that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us till the time of Christ. The law can never take anybody to Christ. It was just an interim government, a shonekon government. You understand that? A fidihe government. You know, just an interim thing. Till the time of Christ. It says, but now that faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. Isn't that interesting? So Christ, in a sense, is synonymous. The time of Christ is synonymous with faith. Hebrews 12, verse 2. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, the word our is in italics, which means it's not there in the original. So the original actually says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. So Jesus brought this dispensation called faith. Amen. That's what the New Testament is. Yes, there's a subject of faith in itself. But in another sense, the entire new covenant is the faith way. As opposed to the old covenant, which is the law way. Do we see that? It is a faith that it might be by grace. Romans 4.16 To the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law. But to that also which is of the faith of Abraham. Now Romans 10.8 says the word of faith which we preach. So the gospel itself is called the message of faith. Amen. Now I've heard people say well faith was, was a, there was a word of faith movement. You know, then there came this other movement, then there came that other movement. Yes, I know there's such a thing as a movement, but the truth is this. Faith is not merely a movement. It's what the just will live by. The gospel is called the message of faith. Do we see that? Number 20, and the last reason. God told Kenneth e. Hagin, May 1950, I want you to go teach my people faith. I've taught you faith through my word. I permitted you to go through certain experiences. You've learned faith both through my word and by experience. I want you to go teach my people what I've taught you. I want you to go teach my people faith. So the Lord told Brother Hagin to go teach his people faith. Amen. Now, is it just so we can line our pockets with money? No. It's so that we can go and do the will of God. The Bible lets us know that the husbandman is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And he has long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. Luke 18, 8. You know, the Bible says that, Jesus speaking, that when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? So Jesus is going to be looking for faith. Check out Paul's commission. He said he's appointed a preacher, a teacher in faith and truth. So Paul was a faith teacher. I like to be in his company. Amen. So faith is such an all-important subject in the Bible. In fact, Brother Higgin put it like this. He said it's the most important subject in the Bible. Have a 10-minute break. We'll be back. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website, www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100-163-948 or 80 765 763